This is State of Sports, Utah, with your hosts, Jake Lukler and Jason Stowell. Hey, everybody. Welcome on in to the podcast. It is your host, Jason Stowell, and my buddy, Jake Lukler. Heck yeah, dude. Football. Football. It's back. It is here. Finally, the the dreaded wait is over. The the desolate winter that is summer <laughs> is in, in sports terms is past us. And we now move to the glorious, beautiful months that are football. Amen to that. I'm just a little bit excited, if you can't tell. Oh, no, I, I, I live and breathe for football season, so uh, right now it's uh, uh, it, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas time. All right. Well, jumping on into our, uh, our show here, can I just say that it stinks that Utah and BYU do not play each other this season? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've not – our two teams have not played each other. Uh, before, uh, in, in especially in recent history, I believe it was what was in recent history. Actually, up until when the streak or the the um, the pause happened when you guys played Michigan, yeah, we had played every single season except for World War Two. Hmm. Two years off for World War Two, but literally World War One, the freaking Korean War. <laughs> I mean, literally took the war of all wars to stop BYU and Utah from playing, and then Michigan happened. Well, anyways, so 2016, we didn't play, right? But the yeah. thing about 2016 is I don't feel like either team was all too, like, there, there wasn't as much, neither team was as good as they are now back then so it wasn't as big of a lament and even in 2015 utah had a pretty good season but it wasn't you know from the get-go it wasn't anticipated right and we ended up playing in in uh in a bowl game anyway uh, and that's like that's the biggest thing with with this season not being able to play like you've both you've got two basically senior quarterbacks that are primed for the nfl like a, a really good supporting returning staff. BYU is number one in returning production in college football. Like such a bummer that, that we don't yeah, get I know. to, to and, see that this And season. we'll never get to see you know, Cam Rising versus Jaron Hall, the ultimate question of who's better. It won't, yeah. won't be able to be decided on the uh, won't be able to be decided on the field, but rather in the in the tweets and the chat rooms <laughs> on the exactly. message boards. <laughs> so uh. Well, let's let's move on into our uh, projections for this coming season. For uh, e- each of us are going to go both for you know our own teams, BYU, Utah, respectively, and then we'll flop. We'll give uh, expectations for uh, or predictions, I should say, for the opposing team. So I'll go first. I am looking at BYU, probably. Probably at their best going, I have them going 10-2. and two. I think if you can put together, you know, a really healthy season with, with both Jaron Hall and the defense that, that you, can, uh, you can get to 10 wins, 
I probably losses to Oregon and Notre Dame. Those were the two I picked. But it's going to be really tough between, obviously, the big four with those two and then throw in Arkansas and Baylor. Um, definitely an edge to uh, the home factor, I think, is what pushes BYU over the edge to grab those those two really big Power 5 um, wins. Uh, so that's that's kind of my expectation for BYU. 10-2, uh, and two, and then one last meaningless bowl game that we have to endure through whatever ESPN decides to stick us in because BYU fans do not get your hope up that ESPN is going to come in and put us in some grandiose bowl because it already hasn't happened. Last season was the perfect example of that. Like had a really good, like a really good season and ended up in a just completely trash. Yeah. Rinky dink bowl game against, you know, at Birmingham. Yep. Where like, you sit your quarterback, your most of your defense isn't even playing. Like you just nobody, even the coaching staff like admitted that it, it they could have done a better job actually engaging in that game. Yeah. But, uh, as far as as Utah, I I uh, and we're gonna differ on this a little bit, Jake. Um, but like I'm I'm really I there's just this giant question mark of what is. USC gonna look like and that for me is the defining uh, point for Utah this season so I put them at 10 and 2 I think you probably pick up a loss either to you know maybe Florida because it's the first game of the season and it's the swamp and that's just that is a tough environment but more likely, it's it's somewhere in the the Pac-12 slate. You, maybe you pick up the one loss, but that USC game, I think week six, right or seven, uh, that that is. That would be uh, October fifteenth. You've got the date circled. I do, because <laughs> you know, yep. right? It's it's so it's going to be so important if you beat USC. Then I think probably you go eleven and one, and and who whoever wins that game is going to win the Pac-12 conference and go to the Rose Bowl. I do not think that the power uh, or that the Pac-12 uh, is is getting into a, a New Year Six Bowl hmm. frankly, but or sorry, a playoff bowl. Yeah. appearance. So that's that's kind of my my expectation. Take care of USC if they if they're struggling you're, you're going to be golden. Hmm. Well, uh, as far as my prediction goes, I'm going to start and continue on with Utah. So I, I predict Utah's got to go 11-1. I don't think Utah loses at home this season, right? So I think we beat USC at home, because it will be at home, uh, on November uh, on October 15th. Um, I, I think our one loss comes to... I mean, it could come to Oregon, right? Playing in Eugene. Uh, for them, it's going to be a big revenge game. Uh, Dan Lanning will have something to prove, showing that he's better than Mario Cristobal. A lot of factors that could go in. We could lose. I could see it, but pers- but who knows? Yeah, but like, who knows? I mean, brand new team. I, yeah, exactly. New team, new coach. A lot of you know, a lot of personnel changes. No back. Yeah, exactly. A lot of personnel changes there. 
but I do think Utah will lose one one game on the road this season. Um, I don't think it's Flor- Florida. It, it you know it very well could be, but I think we lose one game on the road, and it's probably if I had to guess, I would say it's to a team that we're better than, but we just maybe overlook or they get overhyped, or you know it's just a general upset, you know. Um, I really had to, if I really had to put money on it, I'd say UCLA or Washington State is our one loss. Now again, I could I could be wrong on what team it is, but I think we go eleven and one this season. Uh, so we're pretty we're actually pretty even on that. You just feel really confident about USC. Yeah, uh, especially if yeah, especially the fact that we have them at home this year. Like I said, I don't think Utah loses at home this season. Uh, and I, I think, think we as re- far as like like they've got some really good talent. Obviously, at quarterback, running back, receivers, but their their trench their trenches is where they really struggle. Defensive line and offensive line. You know, if they don't figure those question marks out, then obviously, I mean, what we've been talking about is mute Utah will run all over. Them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, essentially, I think I think especially if Utah's one loss is to a team like Oregon, Oregon that's week twelve. And if we were to have that one loss, I think that late season loss kicks Utah out of the top four. It means Utah goes to the Rose Bowl, repeat conference champions, I think so. Uh, whether they're that, you have to go back and beat Oregon or beat USC again. Um, I think Utah repeats as conference champions. Uh, then, then we actually we go to the Rose Bowl, uh, and then we, we win this time against a team like maybe Michigan or Iowa, Michigan State, whoever's the second team in the Big Ten. Uh, as for BYU, uh, pretty pretty similar to what you said. I think you get two losses. I think a definite loss to Notre Dame. I'm sorry, Notre Dame is just real uh, pretty elite. Uh, this and I think they will be. It's this. so hard to gauge Notre Dame though, true, because they are overrated every single year. True, they end up in the top five like every stinking Very true. season. Very true. Even if they suck. But I think, and so I think BYU loses one of the three against Arkansas, Baylor, and Oregon. Now, if I had to put money on it, I would say it's Arkansas. And it's mostly just because uh, of the high caliber that is their quarterback, KJ Jefferson. I think KJ Jefferson is a very elite guy. And I think Arkansas's offense is going to be a force to be reckoned reckon with this season. Uh, so that would be my guess as the one loss, despite it being at home. Um, and then, yeah, you go to a non-New Year's Six Bowl game that's ultimately disappointing and that nobody really pays attention to, including BYU fans. Just really looking on to 23. Oh, dude, not this BYU fan. I watch every <laughs> stinking no, game. I it doesn't matter where they are. I'll be all super right, all disappointed, right. <laughs> but I watch. I will watch. Yeah, I... I it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be gonna be a fun season for both teams. Uh, it was Kurt Herbstreet said that BYU and Utah both have a lot of potential, and they're both being looked at as kind of outside chance dark horse playoffs yeah. teams, but that they both have a lot to prove because he felt like last season's Pac-12 heavy schedule for BYU and obviously Utah being in the Pac-12 that that they didn't really get a good chance to prove it yeah and and that's going to be key 
for both teams this year. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Curve. Yeah, Herb Street always has really good perspectives, in my opinion. I'm actually really glad he's getting his own broadcasting for, uh, what is it, Amazon for the NFL for Thursday night. He get, yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I think he's he's one of the sportscasters, and honestly, he deserves it. He's one of my favorite voices. Uh, but anyway, moving forward. Uh, so obviously, we've talked about our records, but uh, you know, every season, you're you're just you're there for all of it. You love every minute of it. But some moments, you look forward to just a little bit more than others. So why don't we break down our top three games that our teams will be playing? Now, for me, number one, that's USC. On October fifteenth, I you know I I have a countdown for when that day comes. Uh, if honestly the be- best case scenario, both teams are undefeated, ranked in the top top ten, top fifteen, and game day shows up to Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, I could see that as a very real and realistic possibility. And like I said, I don't think Utah loses at home. I don't think Utah loses that game. But either way, I'm I'm here to. I'm all for it. I will more than ha- happy have a uh, an in-person seat to watch Caleb Williams get sacked by, by our linebackers. <laughs> uh, next, of course, is obviously the the Florida game this Saturday. Swamp. Yep, the swamp. You start in the you start the season on the road in a in a very uh, you know notorious place that's difficult to play against a very uh, high quality brand team. On the rebuild, but still a very notorious team in Florida. Uh, and the next uh, might surprise some people, and this one is more just uh, personal. I'm actually excited for San Diego State, which is week three. Now, why am I excited for this? Mostly, it's a revenge game, and we don't have we don't get a revenge game on BYU this year, uh, but we do get a revenge game on San Diego State. Right? We lost that game. We shouldn't have lost that game. You know. Uh, Which the show is trash, so I'm always happy to to watch them <laughs> choke down an L. Yeah, exactly. So uh, very excited to to uh, to just uh, watch that revenge game. Just give me just a nice little bit of a catharsis. Uh, so th- those are my top three games of the regular season in 2022. So I gotta include in my most anticipated list uniforms BYU this season is rolling out Mm -hmm. for at least four new helmets so I'm very excited for those watch watch out for those I gotta always give my my uniform plug I as far as games I number one on the list is is gotta be the Mormons versus Catholics in Sin City (laughs) such a great setup really poorly uh, kind of handled by Notre Dame. They've definitely lived up to the cheat your way to victory in Vegas to to a score to a win in in Vegas because it it's just I mean revenue share ticket allotment all of that stuff all Notre Dame has yeah. dominated which is really disappointed. Um, but because of that it's made this game my most anticipated like i i hope they that byu is ready and kicks their trash and that will be one of the special uniforms of course by the way so that'll be fun should be unveiled pretty quick here i my second game is baylor at home i think byu has a really good opportunity to prove that they are ready to compete in the trenches with a top-tier Big 12 team. 
You have a decent amount of turnover from Baylor's side, but it's Coach Grimes. It's it's your you know your former offensive coordinator, and and you're trying to show that you even though he knows your schemes that you can. And I mean, you know, this is a future in conference rival that they, you'll be playing. So you know, you start if you you know you you they beat you guys last year, uh, you know, in their stadium. You beat. And this year in your stadium, that's the makings of a pretty decent rival. And honestly, I I have been really impressed with Baylor. They they were super hospitable to the team and the staff and all that stuff when we went to Baylor. They were really inviting, and and that probably the religious private university aspect has a yeah. lot to do with that. But I was really impressed with um, their reception and kind of excitement towards towards BYU yeah. coming. So it will be a fun, I think, civil rivalry, which will be unique in the rivalry perspective because, like, Utah State, Utah, even Boise, I think, there's there's a decent amount of toxicity. Or, and going or at the back very least, the bitterness. 12, you know, there's, there's some yes. bitterness there. And, like, going to the Big 12, you get the refresher with TCU, which was yeah. pretty bitter. So like it'll be it'll be kind of nice to have this like I respect you Baylor, I hope we win but like yeah yeah hands, exactly know? no totally <laughs> get that so that that will be fun at home and then my last one is Arkansas at home another uniform special combination by the way that'll be that'll be fun um, but an SEC team traveling out west almost unheard of like <laughs> very true never holy cow happens. Um, the, it was like the a, as far as a non rivalry goes, the game versus Mississippi State back in 2016. That was the first time in like 15 years that the SEC had played a non conference game outside of like west of the Mississippi. It was it was a crazy stat. So. It almost never happens, and and it'll be a it'll be a good test because, like you mentioned, they're they they're a good team. They're a very they're good a, team. They were a young team and pretty good last season, and so that's going to be tough. It'll be it'll be a tough, fun home home atmosphere. So, moving to our last section here, it's titled Jake's clever title. Honest questions from across the aisle. Obviously, we're big fans of completely opposing teams, and mm-hmm. so we have different opinions and perspectives on each other's team. And so a question across the aisle for you, Jake, that I had and was curious what your response was. And and primarily, I've seen a lot from... BYU and it was actually a really good conversation when we when we had this conversation. Yeah. Um because it it helped me understand, you know, where Utah was coming from, but is Utah's preseason ranking fair? Okay. So, uh I totally understand this question, right? Obviously, you know, uh preseason AP and coaches poll are ranked 7 and 8. A lot of people have, in, you know, uh, haven't predicted as high, I've seen as high as four, and so that's a lot of hype. And so, and when you look at like the the end of last season, right? BYU fans 
not myself, but there are a good portion of BYU fans that will say, uh, like you, you went, you, you beat an Oregon team that was already out the door. The coach didn't care. You made it to the Rose Bowl where you played an Ohio State team that didn't play 26 scholarship players and and you still lost. Why why do you deserve that rating, okay. right? Yes. So lots of BYU fans that I've come into contact with uh, through various medias and, and, and forms, uh, for the most part, their only real viewing of Utah and their season last year was during the BYU-Utah game. And what a lot of fans have to really understand is that Utah was a completely different team. And I actually have some stats here uh, to, to, to back this up. I brought, I brought some receipts. Okay. So we're, I'm just, I'm, I could analyze many players and many factors, but I'm just going to focus on two players, right? Two very key players, one at quarterback and one at running back. I'm going to start with the running back because it's, we'll be talking about the same person. That'd be Tavion Thomas. Tavion Thomas was our best running back. And honestly, he was one of our best running backs in a, in a while, right? He he broke the season touchdown record as well as the touchdown record for, and he tied the record twice for the most amount of touchdowns in a single game for the school, right? However, if you look at just his first three games, right, and you combined his stats, he had a combined for, the, for Weber State, BYU, San Diego State. He only had 133 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and he had one fumble for loss. Right now, that's very mediocre. You know, that's that's not very impressive for three games. That's divvied up to. Right now, if you then go a bit further in the season, at his highest point, he had for three games. He had a combined rushing yards for 431 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, and zero fumbles, right? Now, that's a significant improvement, right? And so uh, to explain Tavion's situation uh, really quick, essentially, he was coming from the transfer portal uh, from, from a Duco school. He was at Cincinnati for a bit, and he went to Duco, and he was at Utah. And, he, and that... that it, yeah, that transition took him about four games, four four and a half games, and then he was uh, and then he was a touchdown machine. He was he was a he was a freight train from that point on. And what BYU fans saw in week two was not the Tavion that he was the rest of the season. At the end of the season, twenty one touchdowns. Right. Yeah, that's a crazy last half. Wow. Yes, exactly, and that's and that's something that he was not at the very beginning. Right now, the quarterback situation. Obviously, the first three games we had Charlie Brewer. Right, Charlie Brewer threw seventy nine passes with a sixty percent accuracy rate, uh, which totaled up to four hundred and eighty four yards, three touchdowns, and he rushed for sixteen yards. Right, not terrible for three games, but when you look at Cam Rising's last three games, right, you take Ohio State, uh, the Pac-12 championship, and Colorado, you get he, he threw sixty-nine passes for sixty-seven percent accuracy rate, five hundred and sixty-three yards in the air, six touchdowns in the air, 
He ran for 70 yards rushing, and he had a one rushing touchdown, right? So significant improvement there. And it's really just – and so the point with these two scenarios that I'm trying to explain is the reason that Utah, I think, is going to have a lot better of a time and a lot better of a record this year is there's not going to be that transition period. There's not going to have those growing pains, right? Cam Rising's not going to be on the bench for three games. He's going to be, you know, presuming he stays healthy, he's going to be there the whole season, right? We have replaced very well key players uh, that have, have that are that have left due to you know going to the league, and uh, though the key players that we've maintained aren't going to have to go through the growing pains that they will that they did last year. If anything, they'll just get better, right? And so, and as far as you know, the whole yeah, Ohio State being depleted, I will. Uh, Utah was not exactly full strength either in the the Rose Bowl, and this is something that I don't think many BYU fans either care to understand or have heard. Right? Utah was so depleted in our secondary, we had, and I, this is not an exaggeration, a running back play in corner. Mika Bernard, our running back, was playing corner the entirety of of the Rose Bowl. Against probably this season the best wide receiver in the country. Exactly. He he is a front runner for the Heisman along with his quarterback, right? And so regardless of those 26 players being being in there being not, the point is those 26 players aren't going to be in this season. They're all gone. And yet Ohio State is still projected to be elite with the players that they had in the Rose Bowl. So, and as far as Oregon being out the door, yes, I'm sure there was some of that, but honestly, I'd be hard. I challenge anyone to say that Mario Cristobal didn't was didn't want to win a Pac-12 championship on the way out. Just saying. So, moving on, Jason, my question from across the aisle is that Utah fans, at least many, like myself, don't necessarily, I don't think we see what BYU fans see in Jaron Hall, right? I think we saw it a little bit with Zach Wilson, mostly because our team wasn't playing and yours was that season in 2020. But I don't think we as Utah fans have paid attention to Jaron Hall. So how do you think him as a quarterback stacks up against the plethora of quarterbacks that he's going to be facing this season, mainly being uh, Blake uh, Blake Shapin from Baylor, Bo Nix from Oregon, Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, KJ Jefferson, as I mentioned, from Arkansas, Tanner McKee from Stanford, and I even threw Utah State Slogan Bonner. And I'll admit he's probably the lowest of the bunch, probably. But you know, just for you know, just for fun's sake, how do you think he stacks up? Well, and his stats, his his stats, Bonner yeah. stats are wild, I'll, and I'll I'll touch on that. But I am. So I would say that this season, Jaron really has a chance to, if he stays healthy, prove that he's worth a draft pick, a top, you know, three round draft pick. Um, and, and maybe even around, you know, around one draft pick. So personally, um, I see Jaron being the best quarterback from all of the teams that BYU faces except 
for maybe the Arkansas quarterback, at least stat-wise. So when when we're looking at Jaron's line from last season, right, he had a 63.9, so 64% completion rate. He threw for 2,583 2, yards, 20 touchdowns, had a, a passer rating of 156.1, which of all these guys is the second highest, and uh, threw for five interceptions. So a very, very respectable number with your um, touchdown to uh, interception ratio, which is always, <laughs> always important to have. Um, so as far as these other quarterbacks, it's going to be something interesting to watch as well, because a lot of them are coming into new systems. So they may get better than they were before. They may get you know, drastically worse trying to learn a, a new system. And so, uh, like, Baylor hit their their quarterback, uh, only started the last few games of the season, um, and and played pretty good. 72% completion rate. That's not a t- He didn't have a ton of passes, 68 passes, I think, in total. Um, 596 yards, five touchdowns, um, and had a rating of 144. 9.5 with no picks so he'll be he'll be tough uh, a tough quarterback to face but like i said just not a lot of real great data yeah um but he did win him a you know a conference title game and and the sugar yeah. bowl so played really well to close out the season um uh, bo nix has has really had some some struggles i think his kind of window honestly has I think so too. Maybe he gets gets a good start, you know, or kind of a restart in Oregon. But um, sixty one percentage completion rate, twenty two hundred yards, eleven touchdowns, so almost half the number that that Jaron had last season. And keep in mind too, you know, if you're a Utah fan that didn't pay attention to BYU, Jaron missed a ton of games last season and was put was putting up these stats you know he he didn't start for maybe five games last season if i it didn't play in like if, if i'm remembering correctly i should have had that off the top of my head five is the number that comes to mind um and so uh yeah uh, uh 11 touchdowns uh 130 passer rating and three interceptions so not terrible in the interception that number came down significantly from before. Um, and then Notre Dame, that guy is a total, total newbie. Like, no, that's new true. Quarterback, almost, almost no stats on him. Um, he did have in the, like, I'm seriously, I'm talking like maybe, maybe an average of like 1.5 passes a game across the 12 game season. Like, just had he he had no playing time and so he threw in that really limited playing time three touchdowns but he also threw three interceptions so i hadn't seen that that's going to be something to watch you know is notre dame overhyped if they don't have a quarterback that could and be a to be fair i need this list of quarterbacks probably like two weeks two or three weeks ago when these were just the projected starters so i actually don't even know if he is their actual 
And I did. I okay, good. It, you uh, did. At, at least when I looked it up. Okay. That's, that's what I was Okay, saying, good. Because so. I, I did make that list quite a while ago. So the, the Arkansas uh, quarterback, that's where things get more interesting. Um, I don't... Th- I couldn't see that he missed any time last season, um, but his completion percentage was sixty-seven point three. Very impressive. He threw for twenty-six hundred yards. He had twenty-one touchdowns, so a touchdown more than uh, Jaron Hall. And that's honestly, that's really where Jaron's um, like biggest showing of how good he can be. Twenty touchdowns missing you know, at least a, th- a third of the season, a quarter of the season is, is really stinking good and really efficient in, in Aaron Rodgers' offense. Um, but yeah, 20, 21 touchdowns for the Arkansas quarterback. I uh, had a, a passer rating of 164.7, which is by far the highest on this oh, yeah. list. Really this good. This dude's an elite quarterback. Uh, passer rating and, and threw for, four interceptions. So, like I said, honestly pretty pretty even similar stat lines um to Jaren's in in most regards. So that's the quarterback battle I'm most looking forward to. Um and then you have, you know, Tanner McKee, a LDS kid at Stanford, a 65.4 per, uh, passer per, or completion percentage. 2300 yards 15 touchdowns um only a 138 passer rating and through seven picks um granted he doesn't have the best assets True. around him at stanford just they just were not very good last season um so that'll be you know as far as potential nfl mcgee's talked about a ton oh, yeah. right and so that's that's probably probably the best preview of like NFL potential versus NFL potential that you have all season. Yeah. So last but not least, you've got the Gaggies, Logan Bonner. Uh, his stats are super wild. Uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, 61.2 completion percentage, which is decent. I. Uh, like one of the lowest on the list, but not that like none of these quarterbacks have a bad completion percentage, which is why they're. The yeah. I mean, all of the 60%. I, he threw for 3,628 yards. That's a, that is a massive number. I now to be know. fair, that w- a lot of that was to a really good receiver that they will no longer. Yes. Have. Yep. That is a that's a good point. Um, so, so uh, touchdowns. He had thirty six touchdowns. Hey, all right. So I mean, those two numbers are big. Like we like to yeah. we like to tease the 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 gaggies. We love it. A lot of their fans really annoy us, but yeah, those are impressive numbers. You know, from from Bonner. So. It'll be interesting to see if it and is it, a... Doesn't he have a, a passer rating of 154? That's pretty close. I mean, that's yeah. pretty on it's par with, 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 with Hall as well. Now, the the, the biggest thing in, in classic 
USU Aggie fashion, he had, on top of those big stat numbers, 12 picks. Which yeah, a lot of, a lot of throws, Jordan, a lot of picks. Jordan Love must have been uh must have been rubbing off on him because yeah that's that's <laughs> a lot of a lot of really impressive stats but that inter- interception number is really high so that's kind of a quick stat preview i guess of <laughs> who who yeah who jaron's going up against but like i said if jaron can stay healthy which is a cliche i know but if he if he can stay healthy, I think he has a legit shot at at being a really high draft pick in the NFL because he has the metrics, you know, the measurables with his decision making, with his, I uh, with his size, with his yeah. running ability, his speed. I mean, he the that video from the the Baylor game where he outran the the Baylor defender who ran like just a crazy 40 time in the in the NFL comb, uh, combines and he outran Jaron outran that guy to the end zone on that on that touchdown like he's got the stuff he just needs to put together a complete healthy season um and you know put up if he puts up numbers anywhere anywhere compared to like what he he did last season, he'll be in good shape. So, yeah, that's where Jaron's at. Yeah, which again just makes me lament all the more about our these two uh, elite quarterbacks from both of our teams not being able to face off against each other. But uh, no, no sense in in crying about it too much longer. Anyways, uh, as some of our our more faithful viewers might might know uh, we'll be doing this podcast uh, once every two weeks of the season. So our predictions for this week will actually be for week one and week two. That would be BYU against at Southern Florida, Utah at Florida, uh, and then BYU and Utah hosting Southern Utah and Baylor respectively. Right. So for my predictions, uh, I have. BYU going into Southern Florida with a, a bone to pick. With a bone to pick, I know uh, Darren, uh, Darren Hall. I think was injured by Southern Florida. Am I getting that right? Yep. Yeah. His first, so I, his very first start was at USF, and he uh, he was injured, got a concussion. Um, I yeah. believe in that game, and they ended and, up le- losing. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I think uh, BYU goes in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, with something to prove, so a little, a few letdowns from last season as well in there. So I think they go in with they get the win, a pretty handy win. I have them with uh, thirty-one uh, to seventeen. I think the majority of the game will be over. I want to say midway through the third quarter. I want to say BYU will have pulled ahead uh, by by that point. Uh, should be a pretty decent pickup. Uh, Utah, on the other hand, I think Utah is in for a battle, and I think the key to the Utah at Florida in the swamp. And getting the and getting the W is the first team to thirty points wins, and I I don't think Florida scores those thirty points. I think they get close with twenty eight, but I think Utah pulls it out thirty five to twenty eight with with the win. I want to say it comes in the last six to five minutes. Uh, Utah pulls that head in the game and you know is able to shut down the Florida offense uh, toward the end of the game to stop them from scoring above 30 points. Um, 
uh, week two, I have Utah, uh, Utah hosting Southern Utah, and this game should be over midway through the second quarter at at the latest, uh, thirty five to ten. Uh, pretty easy game. Uh, BYU has their hard game, so you know there, there's a bit of a, a trade off here. BYU has an easier first game. Utah has a harder first game, and then they kind of swap. Uh, I do think BYU beats Baylor. Uh, I know I had them, you know, losing either Baylor or Arkansas or Oregon. Uh, but I think I think if I, if I have if I have to put my prediction on it, BYU wins. It's a bit of a t- it's a it's a one score game. I want to say twenty eight to twenty one. And I think it's kind of a it's a battle of defenses here. You know, it's whoever's off, really it's whoever's offense can you know, really win in the trenches. I like it. I mean that's that all sounds good to me. <laughs> let's just call it. Let's yeah. just call. Let's skip forward two weeks and and that'll that'll be the <laughs> results. No, yeah. I I uh, it, the the South Florida game for BYU again. We going back to week one for my predictions is is going to be interesting. They're the number two returning production team. Uh, they they swapped out a bunch of coordinators, so there is some scheme question marks. Um, which BYU has had to, had to deal with um, like two seasons in a row now with with having yeah. completely new schemes to go up against, um, and I think it it always takes it takes BYU's offense just a like a little bit to kind of kick into gear. There you may be down starters in Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua. Yeah. Um, they they. Uh, have been a little banged up from camp, um, and so they they may hold them out uh, just as a precautionary, you know, long term. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I think twenty eight thirteen feels like a a good score prediction for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think USF gets maybe gets an earlier touchdown, um, but like last year, USF really grinded it down. That was the only way they could stop BYU's offense because BYU just moved down the field so quickly that USF, the only way to stop BYU from doing that was to go so slow with their offense. And ultimately, they ran out of time to even come remotely close to a comeback. It really wasn't close. So that's my prediction for that. Uh, I think I think that Utah... Like, there's nobody better at locker room material than Kyle Whittingham. And Florida, their fans, their players have given plenty of locker room material the last, like, two weeks. I've seen the most ridiculous Only Gators stuff. come out alive. Yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. So I think, I think that it's a blowout. <laughs> I think I would smash that minus three Utah... Uh, line so hard if I was a Utah fan and and a betting person because that just seems like an easy easy win to put confidence into into your team to get some money because uh, it's it's not going to be close. I just think Florida's garbage. So I have it forty one twenty one. Hey, I will I will take that <laughs> score very happily. That will be a very fun game come Saturday. So uh, the SUU game, I think, like you said, I th- it's gonna it, it's it's a little little cool down from the swamp, right? Let your players rest up, get ready for the next 
you know, few weeks of the season, you've had your really early tough test out of the way, pull your starters, second quarter, halftime, um, and I think it's 41-7, you know, maybe USC. Yeah. It may not even yeah, be a touchdown, similar. you know. <laughs> they might not even get yeah. a touchdown. But yeah. um, And then moving to Baylor, I, I was told by uh, the brother of one of the players on the team that they, like, the players of all the games, they want that Baylor game the most. That hmm. That he said almost like, he almost wanted to guarantee that BYU was not going to lose to to Baylor at home. That they they yeah. feel really strongly about about winning that game and um, kind of owning the thirteen personnel look, you know, with with um, Mason Wake and and Hemuli, yeah. uh, who the the Stanford transfer, you know, really really trying to outsize. Baylor is is their goal, so they feel they feel really confident about, not just confident, but that's like that is last year Utah was like game number one, you know, priority win. Um, this year it's this year it's Baylor, so I have them winning thirty five twenty eight. I do think it's gonna hmm. be, I think it's gonna be tough because it, it's it's Baylor, but um, I think they pull it out so. Okay. All right. So I guess we have we both have uh, both teams going two and zero in the first two weeks, which would be awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I great. well, as you can tell, uh, anyone listening could tell that we are just so excited for another season to begin. You know, there's nothing quite like college football, especially when you love college football, right? So uh, we'll be we'll be uh, far more consistent with our podcasts uh, this season. Uh, we'll be po- we'll be posting new content every two weeks of the season. So make sure you like and follow and give us a comment and share your predictions or tell us tell us why we're wrong about pretty much anything. Or if you we have, probably are. Ultimately, we oh. we're just fans who like watching mm-hmm. the game. I like freaking uniform combinations and helmets for Pete's sake. You know, we we just enjoy watching football. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Neither of us have played. Neither of us understands the absolute deepest intricacies of football. Yep, this is just two fans talking college football because we enjoy it. Exactly. So um, let us let us know. And if you're a, a BYU or a Utah fan and you have a, a an honest question on the aisle submission, feel free to comment those as well. Uh, we'll try to co- we'll try to coordinate them. Maybe not every episode, but throughout the season, probably. Uh, anyways, uh, that's our show for uh, the the opening of the 2022 season. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the State of Sports Utah production. SFX technical support provided by Samantha Knight.